Hi, Kelly. Um, let's take up where we left off, pick up where we left off. The last thing that we talked about was getting together and getting ready to do our first show. And that was at the um, upstairs of Southgate, Southgate House in Newport, Kentucky. I wanted to ask you about that, actually, because Southgate yeah. House um, is no longer. It's, it's called something else, right? It's now called the Southgate House Revival. And I wanted to ask you about, because we had talked about that, and you said something about Tommy Guns. Oh yeah, they claimed that it was the you know the family that owned it, the Thompson family, that their son or whatever invented the Tommy gun, the Thompson gun, the Tommy gun, and so that's one of their legacies. And also, it was sort of a a holding place or a shelter or a meeting place for runaway slaves on route. You know, it was an underground railroad thing. They're just I don't know fifty yards, sixty yards to the riverbank or something. So there are reportedly rooms down in the basement of this old ballroom where they would sort of shelter runaway slaves as they prepared to cross the Ohio River. That's another claim to fame, part of their legacy. That's nice. Um, yeah. Okay. So anyway, so we um, we played upstairs, and I remember that I was super nervous. We did the six songs, and I remember like my hands were shaking and stuff, and I was sharing with you that I think that the reason why I was so nervous is because it was really the first time that I had played without being in a band, well, specifically without being in the Breeders since the 90s when I had played with my own band called the Kelly Dill 6000. And certainly it was the first time I had done like a duo thing with um, one other person, you know, just a two two guitar, two vocal thing, since Kim and I used to play like that back in high school. You know, for for weddings, we did weddings and, um, uh, you know, at the ground round. What kind of weddings would you do? Friends' weddings. And what kind of songs would you play? We did, um, let's see, we did Annie was a big song by John Denver. You yeah, I guess get married to that. Well, yeah, that's a huge one. And then Kim. And he killed himself in a plane, didn't he? What? That's off topic. <laughs> Wait, what? Sure. Did, did he really kill himself in a plane? I, I know he so. died, but did he? Did he? Was it a suicide thing, or is he just drunk? Yeah, I think so. Well, I think he was drunk and then killed himself in a plane. Okay, so it wasn't necessarily suicide. No, it was a suicide. Okay, it was. Yeah. My God, what about taking? No, I'm a firm pills, supporter man. of revisionist history, so okay. I could have made all this up, but I'm pretty sure that's how he went out. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, you might have to have a correction corner. Um, by the way, I have a correction corner. I forgot. I, I needed to correct Misty Dawn Briggs. I needed to correct uh, the name of the gal who uh, invited me to do that kind of by voices tribute song for um, that album, Misty Dawn Briggs, and it was out on No More Fake Labels, and it's called Sing For Your Meat. Okay. Anyway, so you might have to do that next week for poor John. I don't think I will. I feel like that's all <laughs> accurate. Good. Okay. Well, anyway, I was, uh, what, other, what are some other songs we did? We did, um, uh, 
There is love. I'm not sure what the song is called. It's now to be among you, the calling of your heart. Acting on his part. Union of your spirits, call to be remained. Whenever two or more of you have gathered in his name, there is love. There is love. The sounds real kind of cu- real culty, like, <laughs> like Manson Girls or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, heard that, one. that was a big one. And, jeez, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, and we also played like, there's a local um, truck stop that we played and you know, middle the diner at the truck stop in the middle of the day. Yeah. Anywho, so but that was I was really nervous about that. You've come a long way. Mm. Yeah, and it's really all the same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a really great way, you know. Even though it doesn't sound like it. I wonder if there is any. Uh... Super 8 footage from those early concerts or any recording. No, no. But when you, you know, think about that. Just the indelible marks you left on everyone's hearts. <laughs> what about people who are new now and that all of those beginning shows, those first, those nascent, you know, beginnings of a, gen, you know, an artistic person going out there and just kind of squeaking through some songs poorly, but... You know, it's the process and, and making that happen. And that, that that stuff could end up for the entire world to see nowadays. I don't know yeah. what that, that would be like. That's scary. I don't know, it's just fodder for internet bullies. You know, just crumple people. Okay, they well, could either overcome it or, uh, or, yeah, just, I don't know, hang it up. It's a tough world out there. Tough crowd. Mike, after that show, we decided a couple things. We we enjoyed the process, didn't we? We did. I, I did, yeah. And we decided to do it again. Yeah, and then we just kept at it. Did we do another show before we did our, our um, residency? In South Park, Ohio. And I wonder if we did that. Uh, did we do that show with Andy Gabbard at Motor? Where um, Ollie drew that little cat hanging on that tree limb? Oh, that yeah. That might have been in a, the actual second show. Yeah. And then we just did a whole, you know, four-week tenure at South Park Tavern. Yeah. In your hometown. And that was in like the spring, and I know that in the in between that time, we started working on actually doing songs together, writing songs together, and and yes. uh, uh, that's when we first started working on a song called Cutter. Uh, it was one that I had been I, it it was, I was working on a song, and it was not I mean, it was a full song. It had lots of weird lyrics and stuff, and the only thing I ended up I was overriding everything. And the only thing I ended up actually liking was this the thing that I played you. And I'm going to play the demo um, 
in just a minute, but I, I, I played it to you and you're like, man, that's cool. I'm going to, you know, do this. And, and you started joining me and we ended up just doing a recording of that and I'm going to play it. Does it respond as a human? such a bad cold that night. Um, you know, it's interesting to me how the lyrics barely changed at all, even though there's like plenty of opportunity for me to say super cool things and have a super lot of meaning and stuff. But for some reason, you know, because about what the song was, is about to me, it, it just seems like it needs to be just like, somebody who's not very good at expressing their emotions or something. It has to be really repressed and kind of angry. You know, if I'm going to sing to you every like feeling all my emotion, I'm going to sing about my emotional feelings. Then what's the point of the song called, you know, cutter with that kind of emotional intensity in the, in the music itself, you know? Right. So that first kind of, so that from that first demo, it just sounded like it's this little ball of fury, kind of all edgy and um, just abrupt and just really kind of all this tension, like mushed onto this little recording. And then it was really hard to recreate that when we would play it live. And, and especially when we when we set off to kind of record it, quote unquote, properly or for 
you know, a single or an album or something, or just to kind of to multi-track it. And then you start that whole process, like, well, how would we do it? Okay, well, we, you know, you could get better separation of sounds if your amps are separated, but you could get some sort of glue or sonic cohesion if you're in the same room. But what if one of us messes up, then you can't punch in if there's, you know, bleed on the microphones, all those questions that come into play when you're recording. So every kind of way that we would go at it trying to record it just never really worked or sounded as interesting as the first demo recording. So it made it real kind of challenging but confusing at the same time. Like, well, I know we got to do something a bit more hi-fi, so to speak, than the first little four track or phone re voice memo or whatever we recorded it on. But it just was never really seeming to capture uh, anything as interesting as that. So we kind of just, I feel like I gave up on it for a while. Like, you know, like it wasn't time, it wasn't the time or something. Mm -hmm. We moved on to other stuff. Until we finally got a pretty good recording of it. And then we tried some percussion. We had a really good sounding guitar that you had done. Finally thought okay i really captured the sound of your amp when you're just kind of chugging along on it and then we had Lori goldston on cello she played some these sort of big sort of lumbering uh elephant sounding cello parts you know mm -hmm. and uh that sounded really cool and then i did some guitar and i just couldn't i don't know just wasn't really helping it so tried some percussion. The timing's really weird because these kind of bends that you do where it's like just teeters on the edge of collapse and there's this distortion feedback thing happening. So it's hard to strap it to a kind of straight click or metronome or rhythm, really. <laughs> and we tried a drum kit. You know, we tried a couple different. I tried playing. I think we had Leo try a pass. Leo DeLuca, and it just, I probably asked him to play stuff that didn't make sense, and I'm sure he complied and, you know, humored me, I guess, but in hindsight, it just wasn't working, and then we had um, our friend Laura King in town, she was doing some drums for some other stuff, and I think one of the kind of last things we asked her to take a stab out was Cutter, and we kind of said, hey, this thing's pretty all over the place as it is so good luck mm -hmm. but if you can get something in there you know it could work and we ended up getting a, a pretty cool drum sound with some close mics and some far away room mics and they sound all smashed and kind of you know um kind of garbled but explosive in the same kind of way you know mm -hmm. and uh so the, so that addition of drums made it started to make it really interesting again for us. It had all this energy. And then we ended up redoing all of my guitar stuff because I realized that I think Lori was like a half step down from where we were really supposed to be at this, you know, that, that kind of section between the, the verse and I don't know if you call it a chorus, but the, you know, the bendy parts. Right, right. So I thought, well, I, I already have to redo my stuff 
to match her on those notes. So then we ended up, yeah, just kind of reworking it. So a really long story short, <laughs> um, all of the reworking ended up serving to its benefit, I think, because I really like how it turned out now. Yeah, I do too. Um, I really like the the um, the new melodies that you played on guitar, which were um, were something that we we'd never done that live. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're playing that in the studio. It's like, oh my god, that sounds so good, and it really opened that song up for me. Not that yeah, I didn't it, really, like it. it really kind of took on a, a life of its own. I really enjoy that song now. Yeah. You want to, um, you know, we have a video for that song. Oh, right. We could talk about that. I was just thinking, gosh, is this whole podcast just going to be us talking about us? <laughs> wow. Well, you know, and yeah, it actually, it, it is. That's what it's for. <laughs> huh. I, I love podcasts. I love listening to them, though. And Yeah, I, I've never listened to one. Well, the deeper dive they take on stuff, the, I, you know, you go. I like it. I'm, I'm there. You know, oh. I, I enjoy it. Um, I do. I want to talk about how I met, um, how we met Clyde Peterson. I was at the Seattle show. And you weren't there yet because you had been called away. We were we were doing an R ring tour. Is you myself and a, a drummer called Joe Frankel, and Joe and I, we we lost you. I think in Boise. Somewhere in Montana at that Montana. cowboy rodeo joint full of metal and uh, <laughs> Budweiser's. Okay. A weird town. There had been a death of, of somebody who was really like a family member. And so you flew out of Metal Town and Sweet Joe Frankel and myself continued our drive to Seattle for the show the following night. Um, when we arrived at the club, I was so pleased to discover that Lori Goldston was going to be playing with us. Now, she is a cellist. I first met her when the Breeders were touring with um, Nirvana. This would have been for the in utero dates. She was playing cello for them. And it was so great to see her and so lovely to hear her play that night. Um, she put her cello through an amp and, and played with the tone and the texture and I, I could just listen to it all night. Lori has a website, lorigoldston.com, and a band camp as well. Um, she joined us on several tracks on the Ignite the Rest yeah. record. So we'll revisit her later in the in the album. But I, I had invited Lori to keep her, her gear up there and to play with us that night. And, um, and I, just knowing that her sensibility... And the melding of our our set and her, what she's doing on cello would be a beautiful thing. And um, I know that you were kind of you, you found that funny when I said, "Oh, she's going to be joining us," and you were like, "What?" Yeah, it was a <laughs> bit out of left field to walk in and just in time to start setting up. And you said, "Oh, by the way, a cellist is joining us tonight." And I just thought, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> We're just going to wing it, you know, with some stranger I've never met in my whole life. Like, right. So um, Yeah, but it was great. It, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, and it was just beautiful stuff. Anyway, there was uh, friends of hers there that night. Um, 
His name was Clyde Peterson, and Clyde invited us to go to meet the next morning at uh, the Seattle Arboretum, some sort of river or something, right? I don't know. That sounds like a place where trees are. Yeah, Arborarium? Yeah, what was the name of the river? It was the the Great Winding... Arbor Tonkis, I think. <laughs> I can't remember. It's an Indian word. But so the idea was to, uh, Clyde had this sh- video show called um, Boating with Clyde. Boating, boating, boating with Clyde. We're like, all right, that sounds good. There's two boats. And one of the boats Clyde had made out of like fiberglass. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're going to get in that boat, right? Yeah, load your gear into this <laughs> rickety dinghy that I crafted while high in my garage. And we'll shove off into this uh, tributary and try not to sink while we record and film it. And go. Exactly. So there were two boats and they were both... Fully seaworthy, um, it turns out. And it was myself and you and Joe Frankel. And then Lori was in a boat uh, yeah, with, with the her cello. cello. In yeah. a boat on the water with Clyde. And Clyde. Um, and so we did like, I don't know, six, and seven, six or seven songs or six songs, just kind of floating down the river and then floating back up with, with all these beautiful bird noises and this white stuff afloating and um it was just gorgeous and um people waving hello and that's how we met swans and a paddle boarder named bruce came up no um that's how we met clyde and it turns out that clyde is quite the artist not only does he produce this like quirktastic boating show but he's a musician and he does music videos and he creates animation um, and he kind of does it all. We stayed in touch. So when Clyde was looking for a tour stop with a venue that could host a stop motion animated feature that he directed with his buddy, Chris Looney, um, it's called Tory Pines and it's uh, like a queer punk coming-of-age tale, is how they describe it, based on the true story of Clyde's cross-country adventure with his schizophrenic mom. Um, you can go to ToryPinesFilm.com to find out more about it and to see the animation process. It's really fascinating to watch. Um, there's also a live band that accompanies the film. The band, which Clyde plays bass in, is called Your Heart Breaks. And I was able to have a screening here in Dayton, Ohio, at the Neon Theater. Jonathan McNeil, the manager of the Neon, he's the guy that made it all happen. And the movie is fantastic. And the music is awesome. And it was a sold-out show here in Dayton. And I was really proud of Dayton. Hey, look what shirt I got on. I have my Tory Pine shirt on right now. Nice. Um, so Clyde offered, move Kitty. Clyde offered 
said, hey, if you ever need a video, let me know. So we sent him the album, and uh, he selected Cutter to work with. Clyde and Chris Looney did it, and it's it's done in the style, the same kind of handmade, um, meticulously worked over style that the feature length animated film Tory Pines is done in. And um, yeah, it's just one of those things where you you know we had the song, mm-hmm. and then when I saw. You know, when you asked Clyde about doing a video and just said, well, just pick whatever song you want from the whole record. Mm-hmm. And he picked that one. And then you see the, the, like, the imagery with that music. It's like, it takes on a whole new life. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's really neat that, you know, A, that somebody would even bother to invest as much time as it took to build that much artwork, just sort of using you know, a song that we made as an, as a reason or the excuse to do all that artwork and just the marriage of the two, like, yeah, just so, like, thrilled to have anything to do with it. And, yeah, it's just a real, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's just it's sort of overwhelming, like, to see it all, the kind of the final cut, you know. Yeah. It's really cool. It really... It all of a sudden um, sort of gave the album a direction, kind of, visually. Should we go ahead and play Cutter? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, well, here's Cutter, and I'll talk to you next week. All right, see you later. Okay, bye, Mike. Bye. Watch your mouth.